Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm Farron, your host, and I'm not leaving today until I catch this damn fly with these, <clears throat> these chopsticks. And I'm joined today by Raimi, who for some reason keeps screaming in my ear that mercy is for the weak and he didn't come here to be merciful. Hey, Raimi. Hey, Farron. You'll catch that fly sooner or later. All yeah. you need is someone to dangle it from a string for you. Yeah, that's true. Heather would join us. Unfortunately, she's got a sick kid, so she can't. But uh, she promises me that when she sees me, she will fight me to the death over a 20-year-old grudge. That's so a good idea. There, there is that. And, and I guess if she decides not to, then her son Andy will take up the flame, though he's five. So right. I have an even chance against him. <laughs> So today, of course, we, we're doing, this is our first episode we're recording for season two, and we're doing a double movie. We did Karate Kid and The Karate Kid Part 2. And Karate Kid, let's, let's get some vital statistics on this. Karate Kid premiered on the 22nd of June, 1984, and Karate Kid Part 2 on the 20th of June, 1986. And they were both directed by John G. Alvidson. And he did both of them, and he actually did Karate Kid 3 as well. Uh, and he actually did the original Rocky. I, I actually, for some reason, thought Stallone directed that, but it turns out he just wrote it. People forget, Rocky, Sylvester Stallone won an Academy Award for Rocky. He's not a dumb guy, but uh, it was written by Robert Mark Kamen. Maybe that's common. I don't know. He did them both. I presume he did the third one as well. And they're both starring Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue. She played Ali, and Tamalin Tomito, who played Kumiko. This is the, uh, the romantic the romantic interest in the second film. There is essentially all of this in the third film, but the third film sucks so bad I couldn't bear the thought of us watching it. So everyone go out right now no, and, and watch the third one watch first. The, watch the th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, pr- I'll probably mention it just because we get to see the, the, you know, the end of the story arc, including uh, this douchebag, what's his name, Reese? Reese, um, yeah. yeah. Played by Martin Cove. The mercy is for the weak, whatever. Um, and we get to learn where Cobra Kai came from. It's his unit logo from vietnam from the nam so yeah, yeah one of our ball hockey teams is cobra kai are you serious and they use the logo and they're really actually, yeah it's are they allowed Shh, we'll have to yeah, that out. Yeah. <laughs> but, i don't know <laughs> yeah well i mean the reason i wanted to do this was this wasn't initially on our season two list was because cobra kai is a, a well i want to say a television series but it's on something called youtube red which is kind of like their subscription based it's like hulu and it's a TV series in which, like, and it's about Johnny, right, the quote-unquote bad guy from the first one, who's this loser all these years later who just, who's sick of seeing Daniel LaRusso, owner of, like, LaRusso Motors. Uh, he's a car salesman. And so he decides to restart the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, dojo. Yeah. And it, it gets interesting. It looks kind of neat. I mean, the impression I get is that Johnny, and this one's kind of a loser. He's obviously sort of bottomed out. And Daniel LaRusso has, he's been super successful, but he seems like kind of a dick. You right. Know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, you should pause this and go on to YouTube and find the, uh, the trailer. I know I'm going to watch it. I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to it because I sort of grew up with these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, these are, well, really, we came from the 80s. Yeah, it's, yeah, this is sort of, you know, this is what we do. We, you know, these are films we, we grew up with. So Daniel-san and Mr. Miyagi and Ali and Kumiko, they, they're part of my childhood. At least these guys didn't get too fat or old. They look okay in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you know, you could bring back some of the, you see some of your actors from childhood. It's like, oh, kids, yeah, like, go back yeah, to that, I want to yeah. go to that guy's dojo. Yeah, <laughs> he must know karate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like the one guy at the back of the uh, the dojo in, in, in Karate Kid 1 who's like about 50 pounds, two weight. Yeah. It's like, 
they couldn't find a better extra. Like the guy is always in the back. Like anytime you see the dojo, he's in the back away from the camera. It's really, well, it's and he's funny. the guy that fights, or there's another big hefty kid that fights in that final tournament. That's him. That's him. Same kid, yeah. Yeah, the one who gets so. just he gets one knock and down yeah. he goes. Yeah, so like with this film, with the first one, I know we didn't see it in the theater, and, and I was mentioning is that it came out over the summer. I mean, you know, in, in Canada, uh, in the States, I know it's different, but in Canada, uh, school goes to the very, very end of June. And so this came out, and you know, this would have been something that hopefully I would have gone to see in July, but I remember that I was in my father's office. My father was a a dentist before he retired and Gladys the um the office manager mentioned she'd seen it said oh it looks really good you know how is it and she sort of went yeah you know it's just about this kid training for a fight and then he has the fight and like whatever and that was enough to sort of poo-poo it for my parents and when the second one came out two years later my parents happened to be out of town for a weekend in Vegas and we convinced our babysitter and her boyfriend to take us I was like, yeah, it was Adventures like, in babysitting. <laughs> yeah, well, it went better than that movie, I assure you. Well, no, it was like the old, uh, that old theater uh, on Southland. Remember, it had two theaters. It was the big theater. Oh, yeah. And then like, there was the small one, really, for kids' films. Yeah. And by this point, this probably would have been August or so, it had moved to the smaller theater. So it was the only of the three I ever saw. Karate Kid 3, I didn't see for years. Because by that point, it sort of moved on. Right. You know, but Karate Kid 2 is the reason I went to Japan. Oh, like, yeah. It came out in 86, and in, like, my birthday's in May of 88, and my bar mitzvah was in July for stupid reasons I don't care about. Uh, I, think it's, I, I think part of it was just we wanted it after school was done, and I think there was also a religious reason, I think, maybe. But whatever it was, two years later, I had my bar mitzvah, and I went to Japan for three weeks on an exchange. I'm fairly certain that this movie is what drove me there. I knew I'd be going to Kashiwa, which is just outside Tokyo, which is a modern city. How do you know you've gone from Tokyo to Kashiwa? You cross the street. Like, it's that, that you know, Tokyo is right. as big as you think. So I wasn't expecting Okinawa, but I'm sure it's this movie that made me want to go there. You know, certainly it was one of the first movies that I was aware of with a love story in. Right. The second yeah. one, not the first one. For some reason, the first one didn't register. Well, 84, I would have been like, well, I was nine years old. And I was 11 years old in the next one. And those two years... Things change. Things change. I still hadn't really discovered girls, but I was starting to notice them. So, you know, whatever. Wow, that came out really skeezy. I'm yeah. going to delete that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, baby. But, yeah, no, the second, what was this? Why thing? is that white van with this radio <laughs> outside? <laughs> yeah, like, free candy, us. yeah. Free yeah. candy, spraying on the side. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, uh, you know, the second one was the first one where I sort of became aware of the possibility of girls. Right. But, yeah, so how about you? When did you see them? Again, it, it's it's tough. Obviously, the, the very few difference in age for us the mm-hmm. years make a huge difference for me because there's no way i saw this in 84 when i was four yeah uh there's no way i saw six. two in 86 yeah and the other one i think two, came out two years later yeah so oh sorry 84 was the first one yeah 84 was the first one yeah, so i'd have been four and six for the second one I, I don't think i saw them then it would have really i started guess watching movies probably in that nine ten. so it would have been yeah. around the 90s or 90 maybe when yeah. i watched it we watched a lot of movies growing up as kids so it would have been in there, but I mean, this like is a VHS you said, thing for you. this is something I've seen 20, 30 times. Like, this is a yep. movie that if it's if I'm looking for something on a Sunday afternoon to watch and it happens to be on Movie Channel, yep. it goes on. So it's something I've seen a lot. There's no, I guess there's no uh, direct connection in my childhood where yep, it's enough. one that I'm like, oh, I remember this. But I do remember in the early 90s with my brothers or late 80s wanting mm-hmm. to be like Kung Fu fighters. Really? Karate, it was kind of that... 
you know, the small town or small communities that we grew up in. You, you go by the dojo and... Didn't you grow up yeah. in Calgary? Yeah. <laughs> the small, small town. Co- sorry, I'm in small communities. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. It's funny. I never had any interest in karate. Never. Yeah. I mean... I, I, you know, I was... My father is a pacifist, which thrilled him when I joined the army, let me tell you. But, you know, he didn't believe in fighting. And I... I mean, part of it was I was small for my age. I was skinny. I still am in the arms. Unfortunately, not everywhere else. <laughs> I have a little bit of spare tire, but... I don't think anyone would expect that. They probably... They'd... Like, I'm, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm skinny. I don't have a lot of upper body strength. Right. I was never athletic because I didn't like sports. And so the idea for me to learn karate or kung fu or any of that, it only once in my life did I show any interest. And that was my very first year of university. I thought of doing kendo. Japanese fencing, you know, where you, it's just about whacking him on the head. Oh, yeah. And I remember looking at it and thinking, it looked neat. Like, it's highly stylized. Like, the guy said, you're not going to be walking down an alley, get jumped by three guys and grab, a like, a broomstick. That's not how this is going to work. This is very stylized fighting where there's only one place to hit the guy on top of the head. That's it. Yeah, well, and I mean... But that's the only time I was ever interested. I went to one lesson and went, wow, I don't have $1,000 to spend on gear. Right. I'm out of here. Yeah, in the early 90s, I mean, people have to understand... Especially if we have any young listeners. The yeah. early 90s, karate was kind of the thing. Taekwondo, maybe. There yeah, well, wasn't all this ultimate fighting and no, no, it was, MMA and all that, these. That's, yeah, that was at that point. I mean, that started to arrive. It was yeah. kind of scummy. Like, these people fought in, you know, in dives. Yeah, and, and like a lot blood of, sport. Like, the underground Yeah, blood sport. Fights, which, which like, by the way, is a real thing. Scary enough to yeah. think. But these days, now, it's, it's freaking, it's pay TV. It's a hundred yeah. million to watch it. Yeah, and um, we, I mean, with us for growing up, karate was kind of the exposure for yeah. us. And there was a video game called Kung Fu in the 80s that, yeah, 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 yeah. that we used to play the as NES well. The NES game, that's a great game. That, yeah. that, that, by the way, was supposed to be a Jackie Chan game. It was game. an arcade game for... Yeah, well, it was yeah. an, but yeah, but it was also NES. It was yeah. supposed to be a, um, uh, what do you call it, a Jackie Chan game. And at the last minute, because this is when those sort of Hong Kong really bad movies were still popular. Like, they started with the Bruce Lee sort of films, and that's what brought karate to the States, That those sorts of things. Right. And, you know, you know and, and, and it was the first NES game I bought. Oh yeah, awesome yeah. game! Like, yeah. I, it came like my NES came with obviously uh, Mario, and, and and they bought for me. We'll uh, have to play that Zelda. when we do our if 80s, we ever, yeah, if 80s we ever, video game yeah. podcast. If we ever if we ever get around to doing that, well, it can't be a podcast. No one's going to want to listen listen to us play Contra. Well, fuck, I die! Do, 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 <laughs> fuck, I die! There's only times you want to hear that, but yeah, no, the Kung Fu game was cool, yeah. but it had that say that chop socky. <laughs> Leg, you could leg sweep, leg sweep, jump. You could leg, you could punch, you could sweep, di- you could kick down, high kick, high mid-kick. kick, and a mid kick. Yeah, and then you could punch by kneeling, standing, or jumping. Yeah. Same thing. But it was, yeah, it was kind of neat. Yeah. But yeah, it's this is before the highly stylized craziness that started with the Matrix. I know kung fu, right? You know, and certainly before the the kinetic, like the highly kinetic, ADD edited. Five five shots in one second. When you see these guys fight, you see them fight in this film. And, yeah, you know because they were like people forget that the reason Chuck Norris got started in movies wasn't because he was a good actor because he ain't. It's because he knew karate, and so okay, here's a white guy who does karate. So they brought him uh, to be in a like a what do you call it a Bruce Lee film. Oh um, right, and, yeah. and and so like. It's that sort of thing that slowly brought interest to this to the states. That and the immigration of people from Hong Kong to, you know, to the right. US to Canada. 
It's a really good movie about like if you ever want, I mean we're way off topic here but Dragon the Bruce Lee story which oh, is awesome movie. highly stylized of yeah. course but a very good film very about good, those yeah. early days when because he was Chinese from Hong Kong um, the racism was really quite gross his his you know his his wife who was white was shunned by the family all of that sort of thing but you sort of see those early days so by the time the Karate Kid comes around in the eighties. Karate is part of Hollywood. And also, remember those shitty ninja movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paramount years ago, uh, three or four years ago, they released a channel on YouTube. I'm sure it's still there. Where they put out all their crappy movies that they knew they were never going to put on DVD. And they just put them out there. And one of them is like American Ninja. And then American Ninja 2, and my favorite, American Ninja 3, The Curse, or some shit like that. And it's... They're freaking awful like they're right. but this is the sort of crappy films that are out there but i like karate kid because it ain't those no and, like, and it's a good film i'm watching it with you i'm enjoying it more than even i did when i watched him a year ago which was the first time in a while yeah and i think the the, the thing about it is today 2018 yeah the awareness for yeah. bullying is so prevalent and this and my my memory of this movie prior to today was he's this bullied kid, kid. who's a victim and, you know, in watching the movie with you, you point out a few times he's that a dick. he's kind of a dick. He kind of he pokes is. the bear to bring this on. And yeah. It's, well, I mean, uh, again, not never, that anyone deserves yeah, to get beat up by six I, I guys. Would never, I would never, ever blame a, a victim of bullying. But yeah, like when he's a hothead. Yeah. And, you know, he's a, he's a fundamentally decent kid, but he has a temper and he's freaking 15. He doesn't get it. And it's pretty clear by about a third away through the film that... Johnny doesn't care about him anymore. Like, he still has a thing sort of for Allie, but mostly he just doesn't like Daniel. But even he sort of ignored him because Daniel's in grade, I guess we figure grade 10. Though Could be, yeah. It's, it's hard to there's tell. There's some storyline issue. We, yeah, which we yet. sort of dawned on us, and we'll probably get into that. But, like, Johnny's in grade 12. Like, he even says the very first time we see him. Who are you kidding? You're silly, ace degenerate. No, ex degenerate, man. 8 a.m. tomorrow, I'm a senior. I've got one year to make it all work. And that's what I'm going to do. Make it work. All of it, right? <laughs> Which is ironic because my understanding is that kids write their SATs at the end of grade 11. Right. Sorry, 11th grade for the for our Americans. But yeah, this is some grade 10 twerp. Like when you were in grade 12, did you pay attention to the grade 10s? No, and then the part of it too is it's about a high school love interest. And that's kind of what it starts yeah. the initial conflict. And the thing about high yeah, school love interests with this, are with... six weeks later, there's a new high school love interest. And yeah. it's, you sort of forget, but if you keep poking the bear, it keeps coming back. And yeah. Well, it was a running joke I'd heard a teacher once say that, you know, a, a grade 10 romance is the most amazing thing. You know, they, like, they meet each other in the morning, they fall desperately in love, have a passionate romance, have a screaming breakup, decide to be friends, and then the lunch bell rings. Like, that's how quickly things can happen. Exactly. Yeah. So. And yeah, he's flirting. I mean, this movie sort of starts off, well, really, it starts off with them leaving Newark, New Jersey. And, you know, where we get to see the sort of the narrow streets, the sort of urban streets, and off they drive across the U.S. California, here we come. Oh, come on, Daniel. What's the matter? You don't like my singing? I don't like the song, Ma. You're going to love California. You get up in the morning, you roll out of bed, plop, you're in your swimming pool. Yeah, sure. Which, and that piece of, sh <laughs> that piece of shit station wagon, that must have been quite the ride. Well, and in the 80s, that just must have been quite the ride. Well, yeah. Today, there's a lot more comfort in vehicles, mind you. I guess I guess not. I've standard been in, 80s station. Uh, I've been in some 70s and 80s vehicles where it's pretty comfortable. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was fine, but it's a long run, yeah. and, we, and we learn so it becomes a running joke that this car doesn't work right, and sometimes they have to give it a pushing start, which I think you told me has to, it has to be a 
standard, uh, a standard. So you can pump the clutch and yeah. engage the motor of some, oh. somehow. And I've, I've done I, it. Ironically, so. I learned to drive on a standard, but I I hate it. And it's like oh, I miss you know driving the standard. Oh, the real man, standards. I, I hate I hate driving. And I used to drive 45 minutes to work, and there were times where I got to work and didn't remember how I got there. So oh, I think it's good. best for all involved that I didn't drive a standard. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's like we see this cross country thing, and we, you know, we get it. She is. She's actually a pretty good mom. So many 80s moms you encounter in these films are, they're kind of clueless. Or absent. Even they're now. absentee. We don't know where dad is. That's interesting. We don't learn until the second movie that dad had died. Oh, right. But she's gone out there for a computer job, and he's followed along with her, which is interesting because the next time we see mom in a workplace, she's working at a restaurant. But clearly there was a scene where she learns that the computer job was gone. Or what the funny thing is, she says, oh, my benefits are so much better in this restaurant. And that just shows... A restaurant from a computer? today's day and age, yeah, 84, though. I mean, computers were... Oh, up and right. Oh, come on. I mean, yeah, it, it was the running were... joke at Atari that it's like, okay, who's, you know, like you'd, if you, when you drove in with your new Ferrari, you like, you leaned on the horn. And it was like booze and Coke and the whole nine yards. There was plenty of money to be had, especially in Silicon Valley. But, right. But they never explain why she loses that job. All we know is she came here for a job. They live in a uh, apartment complex with That's a like pool. like a motel. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks like a motel, but it's not. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's sort of your standard block with apartments and then there's a what do you courtyard call it? there's a courtyard with a um pool in the center and the pool is not swimmable it's <laughs> there's no bodies in it there's, so there's no bodies start. yeah there's that's no bodies start. in it but uh it's funny because in the third one when they come back from japan uh i guess they couldn't get the actress for the mother and there's a note waiting and you see them sort of tearing it down because it's condemned for asbestos oh and so he winds up staying with Mr. Miyagi, I think. I don't remember. It's, that movie's a bad memory. If one of you watch that one first, shoot us an email on what on that point. <laughs> yeah. Who does he live with? Who does he live with, yeah. people? But um, yeah, and it's it, it's funny because you know we learn he's into karate because when he enters the the courtyard, he kicks the, <laughs> Gate the door open and clocks this kid. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Ah. So you gotta be the new people in apartment twenty, right? Oh yeah, I guess so. And it was funny because he hits him in the forehead. Who walks in such a way that Leaning forward? Leaning forward. So you, <laughs> You're always walking downhill. Yeah, it doesn't break his nose. No. But it, it's just kind of funny. But I mean he seems like a he seems like a nice guy. Really like that's what I noticed is everyone seems kind of real. Like Right. There isn't, like, up until the end of the second one, there isn't a lot of, like, I, I use the term kabuki theater, which is, like, this ultra-stylized, traditional Japanese, like, it makes soap operas look realistic. You know, it, it's, like, he seems like a nice guy, and it's like, oh, yeah, let me help you with your bag, and they talk, and they introduce each other, and, you know, hey, man, I'm going to the beach with some friends, why don't you come with us? And, like, everyone seems... Friendly. Friendly, and pretty normal. Yeah. And they're a little mean to that old lady. Like, she's crazy. It's like, dude, she's right there yeah <laughs> like she can hear you maybe she is crazy and she can't <laughs> i know it's just uh, it seems mean to me yeah. it's the one time you know like i told you when we were talking about you know why don't we do garbage pail kids it's like because it's a mean movie and i don't like meanness right. i don't like people being mistreated like that you can be cruel to a character without being cruel to the character if it makes right. any sense and it probably doesn't but we're gonna move on yeah so <laughs> you know the next thing we see of course is the beach party and the it's funny because the way they film it you know he's glaring at her and she's glaring at him and they're like two feet away. Like at that point, why aren't they just sitting together? Yeah, they have a meet cute. Before probably that, I think that term was coined. 
because her friends set it up, right? He, his, his friends throw the soccer ball at her friends who then pass it to Allie and they meet in the middle and that seems pretty normal. And then the douchebag club comes along. Sorry, the Cobra Kai Karate Dojo. They all ride dirt bikes. They're all ride dirt beach. bikes. And that's where we learn that Johnny is in grade 12 and he doesn't want to be a degenerate anymore and he wants to make it work. And as they put it, he's pissed off to see Allie talking to Daniel because as his friends put it, she broke up, he didn't. And while well, talk about a difference between 1984 and 2018, there's a word for guys like that now. That's scummy. But back then, I mean, it's clear he's a, you know, Johnny's an asshole, but... The popular jock. He is a... Actually, I don't know how popular he is. We never with see that, him... Yeah, with that group. He's with, the leader of their little clan. Uh, yeah, all, all the people from that high school who are in the Cobra Kai. Yeah, he's, he's almost like I got a gang or something, but he never seems all that popular. Yeah, they don't focus a whole lot on the school and what's kind yeah, of Yeah, that's true. So, so we that's don't know. not really part of that story. Yeah, and really, Allie, we only ever see with a couple of other girls. And they're like mean girls. Yeah, they're... they're there's no <laughs> there's no depth to either Resting of them. bitch face. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're just... Well, there's no reason for them to be mean. Because when the one of them later in the movie explains why she sprained her wrist, because she decked Johnny when he kissed her inappropriately. Wow, she's a human being. This this person knows how to explain subtleties. But she's still mean for no reason. Like She's mean because Daniel needs opposition. Right. We learn that Allie is rich. She's from the hills. And things get physical. Hey, Allie, I want to talk to you. you. Just leave me alone. We've been over all this, all right? I don't want to talk. Well, I want to talk to you, all right? What is your problem? Look, why don't you just take your little Cobra Kai's and get out of here? Oh, right? yeah, right. And that's going to solve everything. Give me my no. radio. I said, give me my radio. You promise you'll talk to me? Yes. Just give you me promise. my radio. Yes. Johnny kicks the shit out of Daniel, who thinks he knows karate. Turns out the only thing he knows about karate is the word karate. Right. It's, I forget what movie it was, like, careful, I know karate, and three other Japanese words. Really. (laughs) You know, so right off the bat, we learn the setup for this whole film. Right in that beach scene, right? Like, they could have just shown the beach scene and you know all you need to know. Daniel's kind of a dick. He's trying to intercede when Johnny gets a little physical with Ali, but he winds up picking a fight. And one thing we learn is that you punch Daniel once, he'll go down. Or if you kick him once, he'll go down. Except when he doesn't need to. Right. Except the fight at the end of each movie, in which case he could take insane amounts of punishment. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we learn right away that, you know, Johnny is a future abusive husband. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Same with uh, the guy in, the nephew in number two, because he actually punches the girl out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Chosen. 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 We're just going to go with Chosen, because I'm not going to try. I would assume in 2018, a movie wouldn't depict that too probably not quick to depict that well i mean it's funny because johnny doesn't suffer any social deficits for getting as he doesn't get handsy although the one time he gets handsy with ali but it's he does a radio or whatever yeah he grabs but, like he breaks a radio i mean okay she's wealthy but a radio back then would have been a 100 bucks yeah that's not cheap you know it, like it's a Fair size. Yeah, and he like she tries to hold on to it and rips it out of her hand and so and then I mean there's breaks it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like dick. I mean, yeah, she's gonna replace it. She's gonna go and say, Oh, it you know, it someone tripped on it and she probably has one the next week, and that's that's fine. But yeah. Um, but he gets he gets punched, so now we know we have a problem and he manages to hide that with those ugly ass aviator goggles for mom. For mom, and of course she's like, Take the you know, take it off now. That's what I love is that she's in charge, she's mom. Yeah. Like it's not a fight. Like, no, take him off now. She puts her finger on the table. 
I'm fine. Daniel, I got energy. Do me a favor. What? Take off the glasses. Why? Because I asked you to. Come on, my California. So look. Take them off. I want to see your baby browns. Well, come on with the baby browns. Are you right? on something? Yeah, I'm on Minute Maid. That's Why are you right. hiding your eyes? I'm not hiding my eyes. Then take no. off the glasses. Come on, come on now. Wait. And he does because in the 80s you didn't disobey your parents. Well, y- you could, but you paid for it. You paid for it. I mean, I've, I've only been spanked a couple times in my life, but ultimately, if my parents told me to do something, the answer was. Yeah, yeah. Or and I know there's going to be a consequence. There's a consequence. Yeah, and so she takes it off, and he freaks out. You know, she freaks out. He says, "No, no, I fell, I hit the pavement. That, that's it." And who believes that in any? Yeah, well, I, and the cool thing is, is back then he says, "I fell off my bike." If a kid used that today, parent would be like, "You weren't on a bike." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't fall off your bike. <laughs> you're talking. You're walking but, down the street. And for those of you that don't know, those things with two wheels are riding. Those yeah, the bicycles. BMX bikes. And when we were kids, that's how we got around. Yeah, well, that's how public you, transit. Yeah, well, that's what, that's how you checked in. You, you looked out your door and you saw a pile of bikes at someone's house. You go, "Okay, that's where all the kids are." Yeah, that's how you know there was there was no phone to check in on. What's the, what's the name of that app where everyone checks in? And, uh, oh yeah. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, Whatever. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. These days, you just, you know, that's how you did it back in the day. You'd, you'd look out your door and say, there are all the bikes my son's probably, or my daughter's in there somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. So he, he rides school. You know, he meets, uh, he bumps into Allie again. And this is where we learn that sort of the the basis of the relationship between Allie and Daniel is her apologizing to him for stupid things he does. He does. I mean, and it was the first day they have the tryouts. Yeah, well, they kind of depict that. It's his first week after the party, school yeah. starts, and then he's at soccer track. Well, first it's he like realizes soccer. that he's going. His first deflation is he realizes he's going to school with Johnny. So that's right, an issue. Right. And then they're playing soccer, and she's a cheerleader, and they of course she is. They trip him. Yeah. So he gets up as a hothead and goes and attacks the guy, which yeah. gets him thrown off the soccer team. This school sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah, and off he stomps after a tantrum, and then. Allie apologizes again, again, yeah, again. Well, she's she, at the beginning of that scene. She apologizes for the night before, right? Getting the snot beat out of her. Yeah. So she's, she's always off. apologizing for stuff that that he does. He's off to a good start. Yeah. What I and I mentioned this is that you know if this were filmed today, she'd be in one of those skimpy cheerleader outfits. They would sexualize her. Here they don't. She's just in workout gear. Though, as you also know, I also noticed that he's got the gym strip shirt. Oh, but he's yeah. already shredded the collar around. Yeah, he's ready. to He's go. been in the school for one freaking day, and he's already chewed up his shirt like. Yeah, and dude. Then, you know. Yeah, and then from there, they, he. That's when he uh, goes to. We realize his mom didn't take the job, and she's working at this restaurant. Yeah, and there's which a karate, bothers me. It's a hole that they. It, don't it's fill. a it's a plot hole. Like, why not say why? Yeah, like you, I, I I suspect there's a scene where he comes home from from school, and she's sitting there and looking despondent and saying, "Oh, tomorrow I'm gonna go and you know hand out resumes." Like, I don't know. It, maybe it's just that they they cut the scene from the film and they didn't want to film they didn't want to do pickups like right. to drag these actors back and film it for a line and they, I guess they figured people wouldn't care right yeah or wouldn't catch it and wouldn't I, catch it. to this moment I probably have never caught it except obviously when you're watching it to talk about it yeah you're more yeah. observant to yeah those types and, of and just things like that are silly because it's easy to to record a line of dialogue just get them in a studio right and then there's at one point where like before he goes, before he sits down to dinner with her in the restaurant where she works, he goes to the Cobra Kai. Because he maybe wants to learn more karate. Well, now because he realizes he's got guys who want his head and yeah. not necessarily the rest of them. And of course, what is it? First off, it's the Psycho Karate Studio run by this guy. Is it Reese? Uh, Keese? Keese? Yeah. Crease. Crease? Crease, yeah. yeah. Played by Martin Cove. 
uh, who does a good job. I mean, he's not in it a lot, but he does a good job of it. And he's like, you know, they show him like he's got all sorts of championships. Uh, I had paused it last time I saw it, and they're all like military. And then we realize he was like special forces in Nam. What does Cobra Kai mean? I, don't I think my know. brother told me once, and it's something. They explain it in the third one because in the third one we learn that the Cobra Kai studio was set up by an army buddy of his who's like super rich and has the long slicked back ponytail like all bad guys in 80s movies late 80s movies do and it's their thing like it's it's the name of their like their unit or something the Cobra Kai I don't know what Kai means maybe it's brotherhood or something like that it doesn't say anyway whatever yeah, strike first strike hard show no mercy so not yeah totally Useless to the point I was going to make, Farron. Okay. <laughs> Which is? Uh, well, I was just going to talk about like the name Cobra Kai. I, yeah. my, I thought my understanding of it was it was something pretty douchey, but it's not. It's just... It's, the... it's a military thing, I think. Yeah. So Kai could very well be Vietnamese, because these guys were in the Nam. Right. And remember, I don't like the douchey picture he has of him with his, 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 his M16 giving his thumbs up like some orange tainted asshole but yeah and it's like <laughs> oh, i thought you were talking about pence oh no he's 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 the he's the fundamentalist asshole um i'm a real fan uh i bet but it's like it's like a it's like a gladiator academy like these guys are militant militant yeah, yeah. like i get it yes sensei you know like strike hard strike fast cobra kai you know, whatever and it's just it's creepy fear does not exist in this dojo And it's like, you know, man faces you on the street. He is your enemy. We, you know, we just enemy show, we show no, no mercy. mercy. Yeah. Kill and, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's kind of brutal. Like you realize, like because at one point, I mean, even Mr. Miyagi says there's no such thing as a bad student. There's a bad teacher, which right. by the way is wrong. But yeah, it, it's like, if you have a teacher who teaches you to be brutal, well, you're getting permission. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other part is these are kids. Like this is. Yeah. The oldest f- among them is Johnny. He is theoretically 17. 17. Yeah. And, and these guys are like it's a, it's a it's a you know when we, when we did taps we talked about the way these guys are sort of monolithic, but even they are gentler, right, and more decent, disciplined people than the Cobra Kai thugs. Like you get the like you notice these guys they wear their Cobra Kai patches everywhere they go, like their jackets yeah. all have them right. on there. Like it's it, it's a, it's practically a gang. Yeah. And he seems happy with that. Team jackets and that, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it's and, and like and it's just and of course the minute we realize that not only is Mr. Lawrence, Johnny, not only is he a student there, he's their senior student, he's their best student because he's asked to lead some sort of exercise. Right. And that and that's actually a cool piece of filmmaking. I, I like like cinematography where we're looking we're the, we're seated at the back of the, the camera's at the back of the class where uh, like near the door where Daniel is and you know, just sort of watching. And they're all formed up. And they bow, and Johnny's at the front of the class, and he isn't bowed as low. And also, he's taller. The actor is quite a bit taller. And he looks, you know, he bows just a little lower, because you always bow lower to your teacher. So he's bowed a little less than the others, and he looks up, and he sees Daniel. And he's looking right into the camera, and he gets this cruel smirk on him. It's 
It's really good. It's a really well. Well, scene. and then if you they show Daniel his second deflation moment, even more <sighs> deflated this time. Like everywhere I go, this dick is there. Yeah. But at this point, Johnny's been the dick, or not Johnny? Uh, yeah. Well, they both have been. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest. The thing of the the, the thing of the uh, of the uh, teenage the, kids the beach. Yeah. Jarring for position. That's the thing. This is this is a uh, this is a testosterone uh, hosing down the walls competition. Yeah. So he walks out of there and he goes across the street and we sit with mom and then while they're talking. You know, the camera is sort of framed with her on one side of the screen, him on the other, and then we see a cr- through the window across the street to the Cobra Kai. One of the guys notices them. Notices him, and then they run away, and we want, you know, they sort of look and make plans and run around the corner. And of course, that night they jump. Well, they push him down the hill. Yeah, they, 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 they ride they, they, up they, next to him. Yeah, and... they box him in in their motorcycles and push him down a hill, and he wrecks his. His uh, bike, his bike, and he throws, throws it out. in the garbage. His yeah. mom sees him. Oh my God, Johnny! What, what happened? Yeah, that's a good not scene. Johnny. What's his name? Daniel. Daniel. Oh my. <laughs> Got the two confused, but yeah, that's. Well, you haven't seen the film in a while. We just watched both yeah. of them, one after the other today. So yeah. We'll, we'll so play. yeah. So he pushes him down the hill, and then he goes back, throws his bike in the garbage, yeah. and and then him and his mom go off to their place. And, and Mister Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi. But he's not. That's not even. We we went right over the part where we meet him. Oh. But I mean, of course, we're not going. We, this is one thing that we are. We, I mentioned in the preview. We're not. We're not going to go slavishly scene by scene anymore yeah. because a it's boring and b it's kind of pointless. But because people are should... going to watch it and see that. Yeah, so. or they've seen it fifty times. But the first time we see Miyagi, he seems the remember, maintenance guy. The maintenance guy. Yeah, and he's trying to catch. Uh, he's trying to. He's trying to catch that stupid fly being dangled on a string by some prop guy. Um, right. It's funny because remember he turns around slowly and he's got this look in his eye and Daniel actually backs out of the room. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> like the faucet's broken. Okay. Well, when yeah. are you going to fix it? After. Hey, you're the maintenance man. Hey. Yeah, we're the new people in apartment 20. Yeah, our faucet's really leaking there. Well, can you come fix it? Hey. Well, can I tell my mom when? When what? When are you going to fix the faucet? After. After what? After, after. Well, when? After, after. Okay. You know, and he comes and he fixes it, and, and that's sort of it. And then, yeah, we're not really introduced to him until he fixes the bike. Yeah, where he's creeping behind the door while they're talking about him yeah. getting beat up and yeah. like I joke, this could I have been yeah. If they if they if the director had changed his mind halfway through filming, you could have made this a kickass kickass horror film. You know, he yeah. came out of nowhere. First, he fixed the bike, then he or yeah. while he's riding the bike, shoots out spears and yeah, it's, impales it's, him while he's it, riding. Yeah, it could have it could, this could have been a very very bad ninja film. Roger Ebert had noted that Mr. Miyagi is one of the most interesting characters of the decade. When he, you know, of course he wrote that in 1984. There were six years to go, but I think he is like he's. I heard someone. I think I mentioned you. Someone had written an article about how he's kind of this racial stereotype, and I don't think he is. Like he's, like yeah, he's got this you know accent. The thing is, Pat Morita doesn't have an accent. The actor, he was in Mash. He was in Happy Days. He's born and bred in, I, I think Hawaii. Like he's. He's, he has he has no he doesn't have a Japanese accent, but here he's presented as someone who barely speaks the language, who speaks in fortune cookie bits. But at the same time, he's not a stereotype. Like he's he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah, and, good one-liners. Yeah, well, but the, it's not the sort of sense of humor that it's the writer going, "Oh, this would be funny to say here." It's a sense of humor that is consistent, 
so it, it comes across as personality. Right. And what it is, he's very flippant of things that other people hold in high regard. Like, hey, what kind of belt do you have? Canvas. You like? <laughs> JC Penny 398. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean a belt like that. I meant. Okinawa belt means no need rope, hold up pants. <laughs> canvas belt. Yeah, canvas belt. And it's, and it, you know, in, in the second film, when they arrive in Okinawa and they see Sato, his old friend, sort of chopping a big block of wood in half. Can you break a log like that? Don't know. Never been attacked by tree. It's that kind of. The detail, there are certain details that matter. Remember I mentioned that's the one thing I really like about him? It's not a baby tree, it's a bonsai tree. And he keeps correcting it, yeah. and it's not Miyagi, it's Miyagi. Well, and it's, and it, here's it, how you hold the tea, and it's like little details that he thinks are important he harps on. Well, he sh- it shows the, the difference between the two lines of karate. They've got the no mercy, kill everyone, kill everyone. and then the life is most important. It comes from the heart, it's yeah. defense, it's yeah. not about attack it's but it's about, also a bit of ritual like, yeah well and that's you know yeah. like, like even when he gets the snot beat out of him which is the third encounter which is after we'll, we'll talk about the halloween scene because you and i both realized that scene is not what we thought it was when we were a kid you know the third time he gets a snot beat out of him and he's holding this tea and mr miyagi teaches him how to hold it properly that's important to him but they never make a big deal out of it like daniel never goes oh why does this matter he corrects him. Daniel accepts the correction and carries on. Teaching discipline. It's yeah, even before he agrees to be his teacher. Yeah. That's the only thing about, you know, we were talking in the second film that so much of the second film is about Daniel being the quote-unquote ugly American. He doesn't get the culture. He says things that are stupid or ignorant, not because he's dumb or he's mean. He just he doesn't understand. So he makes jokes, but then he's corrected. And instead of trying to trip over himself to overcorrect. he simply becomes quiet and he takes instruction right yeah no I, it's important yeah. that I, I think part of the, the storyline and how they how Miyagi is and a little bit of humor is yeah. it really is to to parallel how crease uh, it crease Reese whatever Cobra, yeah. the Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai guy yeah it really is parallels he's this ex-military prick prick yeah. with no I mean I'm sure he's got lots of discipline and lots of military but he's a bully. way of doing things and yeah. you see that whereas Miyagi's got more salt of the earth type yeah. of discipline that's important to him and that's how he became this great teacher so yeah. that's how he's but he's never teach. taught before remember right but that's how he's going to teach is how he knows and part yeah, of that it's, is it's a quiet yeah. wisdom it's yeah. a quiet wisdom I also noted the parallel between Mr. Miyagi and Yoda Right. That when we first meet Yoda, he's this crazy... <laughs> he's this crazy guy who, you know, starts throwing crap out. And you remember he goes into Luke Skywalker's uh, supply oh, yeah. gun and he throws it out. It's like, please stop. Like, he's just... Like, he's a crazy old coot. Yeah. And it's, then there comes a point where Luke clues in, oh, my God, you're Master Yoda. You're the Jedi Master. And then suddenly we're paying... Like, Yoda, yeah, calms down, but... It's clear there's wisdom there that we weren't looking before because we saw the crazy old coot. Right, and Yoda and becomes a hero amongst a hero. Star Wars faithful. I mean, yeah. I remember the scene where he has his lightsaber fight that's oh, totally that's so hokey. Bad. That's so bad. But I remember oh, in the theater people cheering because oh, this is I, I Yoda. Want, he's this amazing. Boo. But, but he, don't even go there. But, 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 but he the really point, is. Yeah, a, but, yeah but that the point he's is, this kind of goofy. A, yeah, here's, the, here's this guy who has a rough past that we don't really learn about right away. But then... He comes off as kooky, and then we learn, no, he's this serious, wise master, 
and he's learned there's a different way to teach and it isn't always I am teacher listen right. and it's the same with Miyagi like when Miyagi decides to teach Daniel how to do karate he and starts home with, maintenance and home maintenance yeah wax on wax off and then no it starts with the sanding no wax on wax off right and then the sanding yeah and then the paint painting, the fence. paint the fence, and then paint and the, the house. Paint the house, yeah. Because paint the fence is up, down, and paint the house is left. And right. that's when Daniel's like freaks out at him. Oh, I'm you're, I'm just your free labor. Yeah, but remember, I was saying like when he starts to show him, show me, wax on, wax off. And at first, he doesn't get it, and it's like the third or fourth time when he's asked to demonstrate his home maintenance skill, and Mr. Miyagi makes it into a karate move. I got to give Ralph Macchio, the actor who plays Daniel, credit. You, it's all in the eyes. Like, you could see it. He's not even... I mean, yeah, he's looking at... Of course he's looking at Mr. Miyagi. But it's almost like he's looking through him. Like, he's almost like he's looking inward. It's like, oh, my God, he's been teaching me karate. Oh, I think what it was, I said this during the film, was, oh, my God, I know kung fu. Yeah, no. That oh was his God. moment, though. That was his moment. Yeah, he, he realizes that, right then that he hasn't just been yeah, doing Except labor. that I know kung fu is so... Kung fu is so flippant, and it's so... <laughs> right. It, it's like, oh, I, I plugged it in, and, you know, I... I downloaded it. I downloaded it, it and now I'm, I know kung fu. But this is like... He realizes, like, this guy is way smarter than I thought. Right. I don't know, and, and, and it's the same with everything else, like we were just saying. He realizes he is wrong, and instead of freaking out or overcorrecting, oh my God, Mr. Miyagi, you're so amazing, oh my God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I, no, he just he just shuts up, and he does. He does what he's told. Right. And, like, this is a, like, this is the road to success. Well, and then the next day he's like in the water early in the morning, and he's learning balance. And then and then you he doesn't say, question. He doesn't question. Yeah, there's why no I, more. Why am I fighting the right. waves? Well, and then I think they did a really good montage because for, we figured it out that uh, the Halloween attack happened. Well, the Halloween attack has happened before. We skipped over that. We can go right. back to it, but yeah, but the Halloween attack happened, so that would have been the 31st of October. Then the Presumably, next day, yeah. he goes and challenges him to a duo because yeah, they go yeah. Miyagi Miyagi takes him to the to say leave the kid alone. Yeah, and and then winds up agreeing to put him in the uh, tournament, which is December 19th. 19th. So, so we're talking six weeks, six weeks away. Well, no, it's two months. It's they say well, whatever. It's it is, and, and look, the, the Halloween could have happened a week earlier. Right, it's a school dance. Who yeah. the hell knows? But no, I guess it was Halloween because we actually see him carving the pumpkins. Right. Because remember, he's not going to the dance. So it's, it's a two, little less than two months. But they dance. did a really good montage there that I liked where they're showing Which Daniel. What's that? Where's the montage? After after he's doing the balance and what were you doing up on the oh, log? Right, and right, they, right, right. With the, music, be, with the beautiful yeah, classical music. Before- Before he didn't know what to do, but here he's up. He's not just like, oh, I know kung fu now, and then all of a sudden he's in the fight. No, he's and still he, learning. He's learning, and, and learning he's badly, and he's going in the morning, and he's failing, but he's practicing and yeah. trying. And this and is trying. even this is even before he goes on his own. Right. Remember that's after that's after the, 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 the he comes across Miyagi drunk, which we'll have to talk about because it's a heartbreaking. Scene. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, he's learning, and he's no longer questions. I mean, he does sometimes. He fools around, but right. he he's know, a kid. He know. Yeah, he's fifteen. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Hey, pretty good, huh? Yeah. 
You know, the only thing dumber than a 14-year-old boy is a 15-year-old boy. Sorry. Like, it's just... I mean, he's not dumb. That's not fair. He's just... He's very poor judgment. In his case, very poor impulse control. I mean, that's why he gets in all these fights. Which I guess should... We should probably, having mentioned that, rewind to the... Halloween. Halloween dance. So he didn't want to go to the Halloween dance. And he says, I could go there if I could go as the Invisible Man so no one could see me. So he sets them up. They're sitting in the janitor's workroom. He sets them up with a shower... Like, there's a raw, it's sort of a, what was it, sort of a... A shower curtain. Harness around his chest. Yeah. With a rod that goes out the back. And up top, there's a ring around him, which they have a shower curtain hanging, and an actual shower head. With, with, with tinsel or Tinsel something. to show, yeah. like, water. And it's, I got to admit, it's a pretty, pretty cool... Pretty sweet costume. Pretty sweet costume. And it adds to, it, it adds this, and remember, Ali sees, a, that's Daniel. Like, how do you know? I know. It's just a little big for a school dance. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's cute, and I like that she knows it's him. And she comes and p- pushes the flower in, and there's this cute scene. Of... And, it, and it's genuinely sweet. Yeah. It's not, hey, baby, let's go back to my place. It's just this fun moment. It, it's, it, it, it's very cute. I mean, I think at an actual dance, the teachers would probably open the curtain and say, now, now. You know, it, it's a sweet moment. And then he spots the Cobra Kai who are dressed in these skeleton outfits, like black yeah, white shirts and hoodies and and with, with the kind old of white, a, kind of a scary costume. Yeah, the, the white paint, uh, paint, like the white bones painted on, and, and and the skeleton makeup face. And he goes into the washroom to discover that Johnny is is rolling marijuana. So I guess being the ex degenerate didn't last long for him. He's in the eighties, you know. Maybe it was medicinal. Absolutely, in nineteen eighty four, everyone who believes that's <laughs> on your head. But yeah, so it's the guy sitting on the can. And he's got his Walkman, and it's this big-ass 1984 <laughs> Walkman. And those things are huge. Fun fact, when Sony sold the Sony Walkman, they marketed it saying, oh, you can fit in your shirt pocket. But, of course, those things didn't fit. They're the size of a brick. So you know what Sony did? It made special shirts for its salesmen with extra-large pockets. Mm-hmm. And no one believed that because it was so heavy, it would pull your shirt down. So these guys just like douchebags with, 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 with shirts dropping on one side. But he's got this thing. He lives with this. And it's funny because, of course, now everyone goes around with earbuds in. It's not, you know, you sit on the bus. I ride the bus to work every day, and I see, you know, everyone has earphones in it. Why wouldn't you? But back then, that was rare, and it was viewed as, frankly, disrespectful. Well, you're just switched out that you always have your music, and you always have your music on. You know, what, what's wrong with you? So he's sitting on the can with his music in. So he doesn't see Daniel. The shower. The shower looming over him on the, from, the, from the next stall over. Tucks the hose into Tucks the... the hose from the janitor's claw, the janitor's sink, turns it on. Now here's the thing: they've already shown at this point that Johnny doesn't care about him anymore. Right. Maybe he still doesn't want to see him with Daniel, or Allie with Daniel. But it's clear he's moved on, because he's 17 years old and he wants to enjoy himself. He's not evil. He doesn't spend his days twisting his mustache, flapping his cape, and going, how shall I next defeat Daniel? It's he's, a high school kid looking for his next conquest. Yeah, he's, well, his next. in this case, he's just looking to have some fun on Halloween and smoke some weed and whatever. 
don't do drugs, kids. Uh, <laughs> just say no, as Nancy Reagan would have said in 1984. And that worked so well. But, yeah, he soaks Johnny down. And that's totally unprovoked. Like, it may seem, as a kid, I thought that was cute. It was like, yeah, it's good revenge. And again, I still will not blame him for getting the shit beat out of him by all these Cobra Kai thugs. But what was the reason for that? Like, To be an antagonist? <laughs> because I couldn't think of how to get to the point where Miyagi would step in, defend him, and kick the crap out of these kids. It's like, again, he didn't deserve it, but at the same time... You, you don't wave a red cape at a bull when the bull is ignoring you. And that's what he did. It was just... It, there's a, this thing on that... Did, you didn't watch that video, the YouTube video I sent you, did you? The one no. Where, there's this clever... Okay, he, this guy thinks he's clever. It's a three-minute video, and I'll link it. When, we, when this episode goes up, I'll put it on, on our Facebook page. where he, This guy argues that, in fact, Daniel is the antagonist of the film, and Johnny's the good, the good guy. Right. And the idea is he twists it. You know, John, you know, like in the beginning when Johnny keeps tripping him, on the beach it's like you know in order to protect himself and Allie and to not injure Daniel he trips him using only bare minimum force and only attacks when you know when sucker punched and obviously it's nonsense it's an old university English students trick to argue the opposite of what the author clearly intended because they think everyone who does that always thinks that their their prof will be impressed Uh, I had a fellow student when I took an English class who argued that Dr. Frankenstein never got the monster up and running and that he su- suffered a psychotic break, and all the murders in the book are actually committed by Dr. Frankenstein himself, and that he is projecting this monster tormenting him. And that's not true. Daniel is the protagonist. He is the good guy. Except in this Halloween scene, he's a dick. Yeah. And again, and he they, still doesn't get... They chase him down. And they beat the... They, they, and, and remember saying that, and sort of we didn't really clue into this until we saw the... On Karate Kid 1, at the beginning of Karate Kid 2, when they show that kick... The kick that Johnny was lining up to make like against a flying, like a flying kick to the head, like he may not have killed Daniel, but he would have put him in the hospital. Like, what was he thinking? Yeah. And the only reason he doesn't have is you know, Miyagi jumps in and beats the shit out of these guys, and that's where the, you know, that's where he agrees to teach him karate. But it's like Daniel's an asshole at some point. Like he's a hothead and he has impulse control problems, and he's half the problem. Right. But what I love is that the cleverer he thinks he is, the the more he suffers for it. Like this thing. He thinks he's being clever by soaking Johnny, and, and he's not. Good. Yeah. Or at one point, remember, they come after him in the schoolyard, in a courtyard. Oh, yeah. Even though they've been told this is just after they've been told to leave him alone after the agreement that no one touches the kid until the uh, tournament. And he's sort of, they're coming at him as a group. And in between the, the Cobra Kai and, and Daniel, the history teacher comes. Oh, yeah. And Daniel tries to talk him into an extra yeah. history lesson. And, and, they, and the guy's, oh, no, I got to go to class. And it winds up being just Daniel stuck with this guy. And it's like, yeah, you douchebag. You just had to turn on and walk into your classroom. Like, yeah. You, just, you know, clever never, ever works for Daniel. Have you noticed that? Yeah. He thinks he's clever. He's not. He's a little bit like Indiana Jones. He, he, he succeeds in spite of himself. Yeah, exactly. You know? But, yeah, so... Then we get to see, like, so we see all this training, wax on, wax off, the painting, the the floors and all that. And then once he clues in, holy shit, I'm learning karate, then it becomes interesting. Because then it's, now he can say, I am training you for balance. Go stand in the ocean. Yeah. Well, and he um, takes Allie on a date. That's important to the story. In the yeah, 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 yeah. You meet Allie's parents. Who, who are, are very rich. rich um, and they have to push start the car. Which is horrifically embarrassing. Yeah. And it's funny, because we learn later that Daddy is not impressed that he's... That she's dating that boy from Racina. Right. Racida? Racina? 
I don't know, poor area. It's a it's yeah, the other not, side of the tracks. It's not the hills. Not the hills. Yeah, it's the other side of the tracks. Yeah. This is the valley. Right. So they go um, to this place where she plays video games, and yeah. then something happens in the movie, and I can't totally remember what it was, but they end up in a tiff. They end up in their school drama, and she says, "I'm sorry about the thing I said." Or right. Well, what it is is why do they not talk? Well, it starts off where they're they're in school chatting, and they come across Johnny. This is and this is this. I don't know, we're getting this wrong, but it, yeah, he turns around and goes the other way and says, you can't run from this. It's like, well, yeah, I can, and I'm going to. Um, but I think that's before... Why does he end up apologizing to her? Oh, that's much later after the slap. The slap. Where he gets all the spaghetti on him. Oh, yeah, yeah right. That's much less oh, later. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. okay. their second date is, she says, oh, darn, I'm having, I'm having dinner with my parents at the country club. Yeah, come pick me up at 9.30. And he comes in through the kitchen, and he's wearing all white, and... He's peeking through the like it's one of those the doors you see into the kitchen with the with the sort of the portal. And this is the first time where Johnny is the initiator of. Well, not the first time. Well, I'm sorry. But, on the beach, he's pretty monstrous. Oh yeah. But he sees Daniel there because we learn he's at the country club as well. He's wealthy, and he forces a kiss on her quite forcefully. He makes a run for it, and winds up with spaghetti all over him. Which and is everyone, ha-ha and everyone in the entire place stops and to laugh. Yeah, ha ha! And, and they're playing. I just remember they're saying they're playing that music, which we hear again in the second uh, yeah. movie. And it's like it's rich person eighties music. I wonder if you Google rich person eighties music. Music and it comes up. Yeah, <laughs> and then she decks him. And the funny thing is that her parents look at him and say, "What's? I mean, we see mouth, we don't hear it. What happened? And he sort of shrugs it off. Because, oh, it's just a girl being a girl. Yeah. And it's like, he assaulted her. Yeah. He yeah. deserves to be thrown from the club. Yeah, and, 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 and later on when, uh, when he gets on his birthday, when he gets the car, he forgets about his mom's birthday party, which is why he left Miyagi's party early. And he goes to back to golf and stuff. And he finds her, and we realize she has a, a sprained hand, but she hit him. She hit him. Yeah. We did skip over, and, and this is kind of a meaningful scene, when he comes across Miyagi drunk. On his anniversary. On the anniversary. Is it his anniversary? I, I think it was their anniversary. Was it the anniversary of the marriage or the anniversary of the... Uh, it was one the, of the two. Oh, either, yeah, either the anniversary of like their wedding or the anniversary of this terrible, terrible telegram he got. And so this is where we learn that Mr. Miyagi, who obviously was... You know, it's from Okinawa, Japan. Served in the U.S. military. Sergeant Miyagi, and he, like, he's sort of pantomime. He's sort of acting this out because he's just, just drunk. Sergeant Miyagi, yes, sir. Sergeant Miyagi, report to kill many J Germans, sir. <laughs> Sergeant Miyagi, yes, sir. Regret to inform wife, sir. Complication, but, sir, complication, but no doctor can. Pat Morita is a great actor, and I think because he always played characters, like he was a character actor, not meant to be three-dimensional. Right. People always sort of shrug him off, but it's this powerful performance, eh? Like where he, we'll, we'll, we'll clip it in where he, we learn that his wife, who he met in Hawaii, she was a sugar cane cutter? I think he said something like that married and she was pregnant and they wound up in a concentration camp in the American desert 
the name of which I'm embarrassed, I cannot remember, but it was a concentration camp. Japanese uh, Americans living on the coast, regardless of how many generations they'd been here, by order of FDR, were sent to this concentration camp because the idea was, you know, this was after Pearl Harbor and that sort of thing. And remember, I'd mentioned that many of the young men were drafted into the army because they were American citizens of serving age. And this is what we learn has happened. Mr. Miyagi, Sergeant Miyagi, was off getting ready to go out to war. This was in November of 44. So yeah, he would already, this is after D-Day, he already would have been in Europe, is informed that his wife died in childbirth with her son. Right. And that's horrible. Like, that's really awful. And it's the first time we learn anything about his background at all, that he had a wife, who we never hear from again. Right. But we also learn that he won the Medal of Honor, the Congressional Medal of Honor. This is a serious award. It's like the... You know the uh, the Victoria Cross here. It is the highest award for valor that a military member can get, and he's got one of those, and he never talks about it. Right. And they never talk about it in the second film again. He says, you know, your heart makes you courageous. This means you're lucky. Well, he boxes he boxes it up. That's in the second film. Yeah, that's, yeah. you said he doesn't talk about it in the second film. But yeah. Well, they do. I he doesn't talk about it until, until the second. Film. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. He boxes it up. He says, why would you want to display? It? He says, well, it shows you you have shows your uh, your courageous. He says, why you show off? Well, you know, it says something about you. Winning the Medal of Honor and all that says you're brave. I thought it'd be neat. This say you brave. This say you're lucky. I would argue that they both show you're courageous, but that's another matter. <laughs> if you have a Medal of Honor, you have my respect. So it's nice to think that he's earned it. He's earned it. Um, so this is a man who knows what fighting is. Right. Kind of shows some more about Miyagi and that he's this humble... Yeah. Hero. But yeah, he and that's the thing. He doesn't believe in not fighting because he got it out of a fortune cookie. This man is a, like yes, he's a hero. He fought in the Second World War. There is no shame in that. But I know people who fought in wars. I served in the military. I've never fought, but that blood doesn't ever wash off. Right. It doesn't matter how how noble it was. You you don't you leave something on the battlefield. That's why he doesn't want to fight. I think the only reason he was willing to sponsor Daniel in the tournament is because it's just a tournament. Right. It's it's sport. Yeah, it's a it's a tournament that no one's going to die in where he can teach these guys a lesson. Yes. Like in the third one there's pressure for Daniel to re-enter. And the idea is that I won't go into it but essentially the bad guy has hired this bad boy of karate they call him he's just such a, a, a dick and he he keeps pushing he's pressuring daniel into entering and miyagi keeps saying no 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 and in the end he says i'm sorry i won't i won't help you like and, you know the only reason he was willing to put him in the tournament to begin with is he recognized daniel had to learn how to be a man and he needed to get johnny and these monsters off him but once that was done that should be it he's earned he's you know he he's he, he's earned the right to not fight anymore right just as miyagi himself had earned that right you know, because the, the first scene in, in Karate Kid 2 in the shower is, so we got to talk about my career. He says, no, I have I already have your career planned out. Early retirement. Right. He, he wants him to be done with this. That's it. Yeah, you, you know. proved your point and now you're done. Yeah, because it, I mean, it's very much, this whole thing is very much about the growth of, of Daniel as a person. Like, when we meet him, he's this hothead prick. He's not very interesting. Like, he's, he's a little bit smooth, but he's 15 years old. Right. He doesn't really start to grow up until that one scene where you see it in his eyes, where he's demonstrating the wax on, wax off, where it clues in, oh my God, I'm learning. It's not, oh cool, I'm learning karate. It's, I haven't been paying attention. Right. And yet I'm being educated by this wise man who I didn't realize he was wise. And he's blown away on so many levels. And then we get to see him sort of become this grown up. 
And in the second film, we get to see him be much more of a grown-up. Right. More mature and... Yeah. You know, not yeah. super whiny in the second. No, he's not. He doesn't go. I don't want to go home and all that sort of stuff. But look, like, you know, fifteen. You're a little kid. You know, most movies they tend to depict teenagers as like this, sort of like tiny adults because they're hiring nineteen and twenty year old actors. Right. But what I like about him is he's skinny. He doesn't have any musculature. He's not buff. He's just a skinny little nothing fifteen year old. I don't know how old Ralph Macchio was when he filmed this, but he could have been more than seventeen or eighteen. Right. Like, he's a skinny nothing. Though we noticed in the second film, he is a little bigger. Because, it's two right. years, because it was filmed two years later, despite the fact that the bulk of the film takes place six years, sorry, six months after after the first film. Well, yeah, right. Because there's the first scene in the second film, which ends, like, it starts off in the, like, there's, a, there's sort of a recap where they show you all the major scenes from Karate Kid 1. And then we see in the shower where, you know, he's, he says, you know, early retirement, and then they're leaving the competition and he's congratulated by the announcer and the referee and that's where we get this really cool confrontation with crease reese whatever his name is at some point we're gonna have to learn the the gale let's do that um pretty sure it was crease is it you look at a crease crease okay crease so yeah like crease yeah so crease has got him in a chokehold and miyagi pushes you know frees johnny from this grip johnny by the way we should mention starts to realize there's something wrong with crease like you can see him giving him this side eye when crease starts telling the other cobra kai to to injure daniel during this tournament right and like he starts to look at him like he's starting to realize this man is not interested in us as students he's interested in cobra kai being the top because the because Johnny is what the two time winner of this tournament. tournament. Yeah, I mean he's a skilled he's a skilled martial artist. That's clear. But Kreese is realizing quickly that Daniel's going to beat. Yeah, Johnny, and he doesn't so want him beaten. He wants him. Cheat. Yeah, he says I want him. I don't. I don't even want him to go up against Johnny. And I think it's because he realizes Johnny may lose. So he wants him out of commission, and he he has a kid disqualify himself and all that sort of stuff. But Johnny learns, and in the end, actually hands in the statue. Yeah, I mean part of that though is Johnny has no problem. Sweeping the leg, like you, just because he gets yeah. an order. This isn't the army. This isn't a few yeah. good men. This is an order you don't have to follow. You but do. he does, and then and then right before then, but the, that's the last straw. Right before the crane kick, though, he elbows down on Johnny's knee. knee yeah, he doesn't have to do that, but he does it. But he does. But, but he's but it's sort of a transition. He doesn't flip. It's not a switch. Right. Where he goes from, I am Crease's student and must do what he says. To no man, this you know Daniel's awesome. There's some back and forth. There's some gray there. And so in the second, you know, by the beginning of the second film, like he says, you know, I'm second place. I'm, I, I tried my best. And, you know, Kreese beats the crap out of him and breaks the trophy. And Miyagi comes at him and he sort of stands there while Kreese lines up a punch. And Miyagi steps aside and he puts his fist through a, a side window of a car. And his knuckles are like hamburger. hamburger. <laughs> and then he does it to the other hand and both his hands are bloody and... You know, Miyagi puts Crease on the ground and, and, and sort of mocks him and says, you know, we do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Live or die, die. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. well, actually, that's the second one. 
Oh, that's the that's the one at the end of the movie. Oh, right, with chosen, live or die. I die. I do not deserve to live. Wrong. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's like he humiliates Crease. Right. Um, and we learn in the third film that the dojo is shut down because the students walk away because they realize what a prick he is. Right. But it, it, that's what it takes, right? But you know, by the second film, we're seeing that you know Daniel has he's learned it's like yeah he loves the fame, but. He's he's grown up enough that he's like if he had won that tournament when he was the beginning of the movie he would have been intolerable. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but here he's actually pretty cool, and you know he's he's sort of relaxed. And six months later, we learn that Ali is gone because UCLA quarterback or quarterback. Yeah. Well, like I said during the film, I was like, when I was in high school, I never understood why high school girls went for college guys, and then I went to university and realized it's because high school guys are dicks <laughs> we're, we're idiots and yeah no no kidding they want someone who's actually as mature as they are and you got to go up a few years to do that at that age but yeah so that's because the actress elizabeth shoe she wasn't brought back and i'm honestly not sure whether that was intentional or not maybe that's why they did the japan thing because elizabeth shoe wouldn't come back right i don't know but she's 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 now gone and we learned that mom's going to fresno, fresno with him. And he's going. He's going with her. Yeah. And he says, "No, no, I'm. I've got a house to be. I've got a guest house. So he gets to learn how to hammer nails. Because what's karate training if you can't, you know, do your yard work and build guest houses for you? And this is where he gets, you know, the letter from Okinawa, which remember I mentioned. I've, I've seen this film many times. I've never noticed that the letter is written in Japanese. Right. You know, top to bottom. Um, which I think is just kind of cool, because my understanding is that a lot of Japanese these days is done right to left. Just because it's easier on a, like a computer screen, like right. Microsoft Word, and so you know this is where we start to learn that uh, he, you know, the sort of the story of why Miyagi left pre World War II Japan, Okinawa specifically, uh, that uh, he was in love with Yukio, is that her name? And yeah, and the thing is, is that she came, she was from the poorest family in the village, and she had been promised to Sato, whose family was the wealthiest. It was a good match. But Miyagi, and who's, by the way, we never learned Mr. Miyagi's first name, <laughs> which is kind of annoying. It's not Mr.? Oh, my God. <laughs> you were talking about... Oh, uh, yeah, why it is, yeah. yeah. So, Yukio and Mr. Miyagi, they are in love, and he makes a speech in front of the whole village announcing they were going against tradition and they were going to get married. And Sato, who clearly has this way overdeveloped sense of honor, like almost kabuki theater exaggeration... He freaks out and he challenges him to a fight to the death. And as I said, in pre-World War II Japan, among peasants, remember, the samurai have been gone since the, the early 1800s. Last Samurai, good movie, it's about that. Uh, the Meiji Restoration. You know, we're talking 100 years after that. I'm not sure if duels to the death would have been allowed among peasants. I'm guessing not. Probably not. So this is, this is the one thing is that these fights to the death are so silly in the second film, but... The next day, he gets on a boat for Hawaii, where apparently he figures out you go pretty quickly because he hooks up with some babe in the cornfield in the sugarcane fields, and they get married. You know, he heads back to Japan, and and Daniel goes with him, and we learn that Sato hasn't forgotten. And by the way, it's Sato is his last name, I think. Right. I think well, and then so. the other part of that too is uh, Daniel's talking to Miyagi about. I thought fathers. Oh, we trained together. And he says, "I thought fathers only trained their kids." He made an exception. Made right? an exception. So he was, he was almost like his brother. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to karate, which is this traditional, and, and maybe that's why he's so desperately yeah. offended. He wasn't just betrayed by his competition in the village for a girl, like his brother. 
he's brought, they talk yeah. about Miyagi family tradition and and karate was brought you know the Miyagi family this is what brought them together so for them to take an outsider in would yeah. be like a brother. well let's be honest there was probably I mean it's probably an honor to train the the son of the wealthiest family in your village let's be clear there right, right? Um, so there's some honor on all sides here but I still think it's a little overblown but okay whatever we can't have the stakes be the way they were in the first film which is you know the championship and the right to be left alone in high school. Right. Uh, but yeah, so we go there and remember I was telling you, I've seen this film many times and I watched these last year. I went through all three of them or two and a half. I couldn't stand the third one. I gave up halfway through. Uh, and maybe I'll force myself to watch it again, but probably not. <laughs> one of our listeners is going to watch and, and, and send you the Cole's for, note. I'm in a 12 page rant on what an idiot I am is the best of the three and it made him cry and his wife and him met over this film and yeah um and 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 that guy should probably listen to less of our podcast and you know I'm not sure if that guy exists but we'll hear about it shortly if he does but yeah um we learned that Sato is you know he he owns like He's a feel like big fishing trawlers was the like the father's thing because that's why there's no fish in the village right. anymore. Well, and he owns the, the deed to the village. He owns the deed to the village, you know, which is on the edge of an air, uh, of a U.S. air base. It's being nudged out. Huge air base in Okinawa. Huge mil- huge American military presence. Because as I pointed out, it was under U.S. military occupation formally until the mid '70s, which I found shocking because they turned over Japan to the Japanese in the mid '50s. Right. People forget it was military occupied for a long time. But Sato is clearly like, when we first meet Sato, it's because he has sent his nephew, chosen? Yeah, nephew. Yeah, yeah. to meet him at the airport. We never quite figure out how he knows he's coming. He's so nice. Well, he says, he goes, Okinawa is a very small place. Yeah, which is, okay, it still makes no sense because I'm pretty sure that no one in the Miyagi family was telling chosen, who clearly visits the village to buy the vegetables, that's the new economy there. I'm pretty sure none of them mentioned it. Maybe he overheard someone saying, oh, you know, Yukio has sent a letter to the States to invite back Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Uh, but whatever. They pick him and they bring him into this, uh, this uh, what do you call this, warehouse. But in the background, another building, you see Sato, the mm-hmm. logo. Uh, so clearly he's a wealthy man. And there's a private plane sitting out. But I'm not sure if that was his or not. Yeah, well, clearly he's could a, be an airport of some Yeah, hangar. clearly he's a very wealthy man. But it's interesting because they're driving this old 1960s car and it's almost like a limo. I remember I, I mentioned I'd read this book about the Yakuza, the Japanese mob, which is very different than, than, than mobs elsewhere. They very much keep to themselves. But in the 80s, they had this bizarre fetish with American 1950s gangster films. And one of the first things in this book about the Yakuza is that there was a funeral for a, a boss, a crime family boss. And it's a family like a mob, like an Italian mob family is. It's, yes, the boss has his sons and whatever involved, but it's a family because you've sworn allegiance to it. It's that kind of... Right. It's a crime family. The funeral, he said it looked like it was a, a, a casting call for guys and dolls. Like, it was way over the top. And I remember mentioning, like, it's so weird that they're driving this vehicle. And then you see him, and everything about Sato and his operation feels like Yakuza. Right. They are into gambling. He's willing to back a bet, you know, with the chopping of the ice. When they, you know, when Daniel goes to the bar with those, with those all those American servicemen, and 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 chosen says, no, no, you're going to chop all six, or I'm going to break mm-hmm. your head, and you know, of course he does because it's a Karate Kid movie. But he's into gambling, he's into buying the vegetables from the villagers and cheating them doing so. He's got like, he's also a teacher. He teaches uh, like Sato has dojos, and his prize student is chosen, his cousin, 
who's the most ripped 20-year-old you've ever freaking seen. Jesus <laughs> Christ, this guy is, like, this guy's body is almost unreal. Like, it's, and he's super wiry thin, but he's, like, the muscles on this guy. Holy crap. He's training American military police. Right. Which I'm sure maybe one of the listeners will, will correct me on, but I'm fairly certain that's actually what they did. That they were, like, when American military police went to Japan, they were sent for training right like clearly karate is a, you know, a thing you can learn in japan shock of shocks so they're taught so this guy's got into everything clearly he's a legitimate businessman but he presents himself and i'm not sure whether that's just the choice of the director and the writers he comes off as a yakuza boss with his his nephew and his two thugs doing the dirty work for right him. And, well, and then they confront him in this hangar yeah and he refuses to fight and it's him. like right off the bat the fight is still on but Miyagi won't yeah, he's honor has no time in he, yeah exactly and, in and, Okinawa, and then yeah. we meet you know he goes to the village and we we see you know the father who's you know older than Moses and we only ever see him in two scenes and he's lying on his deathbed yeah um, and the girls there the yeah, Yukio Yukio's there who we learn never married Sato and they never say why, but I think I mentioned this almost. They never mention why, but I'm fairly certain probably what happened is Sato rejected her. It would not be her place to say no. Right. No, right. Because it's an arranged marriage and, you know, welcome to, unfortunately, you know, p- patriarchal societies everywhere. Girls don't get to decide. So I'm pretty sure he, he said he rejected her. And it's quite possible. Because it's, it's very clear that she lives in the Miyagi family home. So I'm guessing, like, if I had to guess, I would say Sato rejected her. The family was humiliated, and Mr. Miyagi, Father Miyagi brought her into the household where she has remained as an old maid. Right. I don't mean a maid who is old. I mean the old term, old maid, an, you know, an unmarried woman. Um, and she has been his caretaker. We never learn about Mrs. Miyagi, you know, Mom Miyagi. Right. She presumably passed away many years ago. And, yeah, so it's like we, you know, we see we, we start to learn about the village, and we see that I mean, he even calls it the village that time forgot. Well, yeah, and the the fish, the fishing is gone. Gone so they because learned... of Sato's father. Remember, brought right. in the fishing trawlers, and inside of two years, the fish were gone. Which they've learned to farm. Yeah, they, vegetables yeah, they, and, that's... and and which are sold to the Sato to the Sato family, and they're cheating him, as we learn this later when he, when, he, when Daniel gets a hold of one of the weights and it's made of clay. Right. And this is the thing with chosen is that Sato has this overinflated, over dramatic view of honor. And Chosen isn't a good person, and so it's gotten worse. You know what I mean? It's sort of like if, if you're panicked, your dog's a bit panicked. Right. So if you're being overdramatic, he's going to be worse. Right. Because he can't be better. Hey, come on. Give me the drum back, please. Oh, you mean a baby rapper. Come on. Why don't baby come take it back? Take oh, it back. man. Come to Hey, baby! Daniel, son, are you okay? You insult my Anna again, and I kill you. Yeah, well, and it's and the same, and that's what this was chosen, right? Yeah, and he, you know, he makes the comment as if you, if you hurt my honor one more time, I'll kill you. I'll yeah, I'll kill you. It's like, well, yeah. dude, you, you were ripping off the locals, but he doesn't care. Right. Right. And again, that screams very much yakuza. And I honestly, I honestly don't know. I'd love to speak to the writer and say, hey, man, email him. Well, it's a little late because we're doing the podcast. Things like this, you'd think I would think of in advance, because he probably would answer. But it just everything stinks of yakuza yeah. here, and you know this this village where, you know, time for God. And we meet Kumiko, who is Yukio's niece. Yeah. 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 She's her niece. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually her very first movie. And again, like everyone else in this movie, she has this Okinawa accent and speak very little English. But in fact, the actress 
whose name is Tamalin Tamita, despite the fact that she was born in Okinawa, she has no accent. Right. She has no Japanese accent. Everyone has an accent. I have an accent. You have an accent. But she has an American accent. She was actually in the just the pilot episode of Babylon 5. She played the first officer. Very good part. It was disappointing to, not to see her. You know, but, on, but yeah, but she's. I mean, she's had a, a good career. She's a good actress. Yeah, and her and, and, and right off the bat, the first time they meet, her and Daniel make, make eyes. eyes yeah, and it's like oh. Well, there aren't a lot of other young people in that right. village. Like I don't think I see. I mean, other than the little kids that she teaches the dance to at night. Right. There's everyone's over. You know, everyone's either older than the emperor or they're they're toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So then they get called to the bedside of the father, who's. Dying, and then dying. Sato's there. Yeah, right. Because Sato is showing up saying, enough of this shit. We're going to fight, fight right yeah. now. You have seen father. Hey. Then we finish tonight. I bring a nephew for witness. Then you and nephew both lose sleep tonight. I'll not be there. You coward. Hey. You leave me no choice. And Yukio breaks he them breaks up and says he's asking for both of you. And yeah. so he puts their hands together. What I thought was a very touching scene. Because yeah. it clearly bothers the father that his son and his other students are such bad fight blood. To the yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, there's such bad blood. And he puts their hands together and he dies and they immediately pull their hands apart. And he and, says, I'll give you three days to yeah. to mourn and then yeah. the fight's on. Yeah, and, and it's very, like I'll put in that clip, because it's, a be- it's just the way, like the feeling. Out of respect. My teacher, I give you three days to mourn. When finish, I come back. But he gets, even though he has this, this thick, you know, this gruff voice, he's Lord Toranaga from Shogun. Hey, you big boy, come here. Like, it's, it's way over the top. Right. But he delivers it in like this gruff angry voice if you notice it goes away when he gets better when, yeah, after right. after the the hurricane later I when was he wrong. has yeah. i was like wait, like it's oh, like it's it's like someone flips a switch it's almost ridiculous when because later on there's that um there's the hurricane and they rescue him as he's in the he's in the the shinto temple praying you know, the a, fight. a few hours before the, finally he convinces miyagi to have this fight or he's going to tear up the village but the deal is no matter who wins, the deed, to the, the deed to the land goes to the village forever. What are you doing? I sell land. Why? Why you think? You will destroy village? No. You will. You win. I fight you. One condition. No matter who win, title to land pass to village forever. <laughs> you ask for too much. Ha! Small price to pay for your honor. You're right. He's right. Right. So he says, okay. And well, so Miyagi's plan was to leave well, no, no, Okinawa he because he says, we'll leave in the morning before the fight. Yeah, and, and that's, that's when, when he shows Sato up with come, the... You had to tear apart, you had to tear apart yeah. the village. And yeah, and so, the, and so you know, there's... 
they're both preparing what is clearly for a fight to the death and then the hurricane hits and Sato gets is is crushed between this this beam which I'm sorry a you can't crack in half with your hand you've never tried no I haven't but I am almost (laughs) certain that a beam thick enough to hold up a freaking Shinto temple you can't do with your hand unless you're like Ash from the Army of Darkness Darkness and you have a chainsaw then you can do it but with the guy lying underneath he's going to be going stop man yeah I'd like to know where that force went I'm not a physics major yeah but for every action there's an opposite and equal reaction yeah so he punches this six by six post the cracks in half right over cracks his chest. in half and he just looks and says oh i thought you were gonna kill me and now we're buddies yeah and it's <laughs> well but but his voice his gruff voice is what we were talking yeah. about the gruff voice goes away yeah and you chosen know, when they get back to the shack refuses to help daniel yeah. rescue a girl and so he runs out into the into the storm and comes back later to challenge you know, they have this Obon dance. Now they've agreed to hold it at this castle, yeah. which, like everything else in the area, Sato owns. And now, you know, he's you know, he's shown up the next day after this hurricane to beg forgiveness. He's given him the, the deed to the village. I come help rebuild. Here, deed to village. Forgive me. I beg you. Oh, Sato. Nothing to forgive. Now's a good time to ask him. Is that my brave? Uh, Mr. Sato, you know, our bone dance is soon and it's going to be real hard the way things are to have it here in the village. What do you ask of me? Well, can they have it in the castle? That's where it really belongs anyway, doesn't it? Your student become my teacher. And he's agreed, okay, we'll hold this Obon dance in the... For now and forever. For now and forever. You know, but his voice goes away. Yeah. And you got to wonder, has he been like this for 40 years? This gruff voice? Or is it just since he learned? Like, you got to wonder, did he really ever, did he think twice about Mr. Miyagi for all those years? Or was it not until he heard? He was coming back. And then all that anger comes back. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm guessing it's the latter. Because how do you live like that for 40 years well, it, without it having a freaking stroke? That honor thing, though, I mean, that could oh, be... Oh, it's going to be the back of your mind. If it's that close to your head, it's always going to be back to your mind. But not to the point where you're going to get on a plane. Obviously, to the States. it's yeah. not like Miyagi's not findable because somebody sent him a letter to his house. Yeah. So if they wanted to find him, he could have flown to the States. Or and paid a guy to go to California and look at a freaking phone book. Yeah. Or he could have hired a good detective. It's not like this guy was hiding. Yeah. What's Mr. Miyagi's first name? I don't know. No, Mr. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, of course, there's this fight. And I guess Mrs. maybe we're, we're, we'll sort of maybe talk about the karate here which is good because neither of us actually knows Kung Fu or karate, is that he's introduced in the second film to the secret to Miyagi family karate, which conveniently never got mentioned to his first and only karate Karate student student, in Karate Kid Part 1. Right. Which is this back and forth thing with his drum it's technique. A baby rattle. <laughs> it's a, yeah, and it's... And, and, as Chosen calls and, it. And it's, it's, it's a neat... Like, I have no idea how effective it would be as a fight because, again, I, do, I know nothing about... Fighting, I'm right. a virtual fighter. I don't think that counts. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> probably not. I mean, I could throw my controller at you and run. You could screaming. go to a bar and pick a fight with someone and see if it works. Yeah, yeah. Now, season three of uh, of we're we doing this from Ferrens Hospital. From Ferrens Hospital. Yeah. It didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear that beep, 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 yeah. and that's the end of the podcast, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. No, but it's you know, it's this. In the first one, it's all about the crane kick, which is very much about sort of this thing you have to learn, this balance. Grace, balance. It's all about balance because it's him teaching about balance. The whole first movie is about balance and what karate is meant to bring balance to him, and he'll never have balance unless he finishes the tournament. 
But in the second one, the secret to the karate, which again magically did not appear in the first one, clearly they weren't planned. Right. Or they weren't planned well enough the, to the work the rattle into the first one. Yeah. And and the rattle and this karate, which comes from was it sixteen twenty five from China. Strong wind, strong rain, strong Masaki. Well, you fell asleep off the coast of Okinawa. <laughs> Ended up in China. <laughs> Ended up in China. Come back ten years later. Chinese wife, Chinese Chinese uh, three sons, and secret of Miyagi karate, and it's this, and that's cute. I, I I thought it was cute. It was it was delivered in a funny way, and it's become part of the village, because now the Obon dance, which is this dance for the dead, is very much a physical rattle or rattle, yeah, but not a karate thing, right. and yet it is that too. And you get the impression this is just this village, which is probably why Chosun doesn't know how to defend against it. Because he didn't grow up with it. Well, and he got cast out, so after the storm, the uncle, you're dead to me. And this was his number one. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and he goes wandering off into the storm. Yeah, and he comes back later and he threatens uh, Kumiko. And, yeah. And, and yeah, and so we're going to fight to the death. Which, again, in real life, there probably would have been a cop somewhere nearby or they would have rushed him. Like, I'm sorry, this, this isn't Kill Bill... There isn't going to be a fight to the death in 1986 Japan. But, again, the stakes cannot be point LaRusso. Like, it can't be another tournament. Right. They had they kind of wrote themselves into a corner on that one. Yeah, what was the outcome going to be? So they yeah. fight, and it's this bloody, you Knock punch, down, drag I out. punch, yeah. you kick, I kick. Yeah. And you're know, saying that he can, it's amazing how much punishment this guy takes, and yet, in and, and the same in the first tournament, like in the tournament in the first movie, any other time LaRusso gets hit, he's down. He right. does not get up. He lies there and cries. And well, in the very first fight, in the very first film, he, he lays, lays in the, in the sand. sand. Get Just away. leave me Yeah, here. well, because he got the snot beat out of him. He's right. desperately embarrassed. I don't blame but him. But he went down like a sack of hammers. Yeah, because he got the shit beat out of him by someone who was, uh, you know, six well, inches. Well, he got one punched. Well, yeah, okay, fine. But, you know, the kid, it's the, the showing actor, that he can The actor playing Johnny had, six, had, had two years six inches and probably 50 pounds and right. oh yeah he's an athlete you know it just showed um, that he couldn't take a punch yeah. and now he's taking but, but all throughout the first film and through the second film every every time daniel takes a single shot usually to the gut down he goes down he goes but in this film he gets smashed around blood coming out of his face yeah he's good like i get it it's to the death but like, there comes a point where how many of those can you take before you can't see straight? Especially, like, his eyes would have swollen over. Like, he, he, just, he would have been a wreck. <laughs> and yet, in the end, what gets him? You know, he does the, the, the drum thing, and he wins. And I always could, like, that seems inconsistent. Like, in a film that works so hard at such a beautiful character arc for Daniel, he gets older. The things he does well, which is when he realizes he's made a mistake, he shuts up and, le- and learns from it. Right. All these wonderful things, we see him... These wonderful character traits we see come out in him, that he grows up and all that. And then there's this. He goes from having a glass jaw or a glass body to being able to take action hero amounts of abuse. Uh, abuse. It's kind of funny. Well, and then the other part of that too is, and I thought, I thought it finished differently. I knew that he wins. I yeah. knew that because obviously, but you didn't realize means he, I, I didn't realize that it ended after he knocks him out and then he doesn't knock him live out. or die and he says die and he goes wrong or honk just but, like just like Miyagi did to. Uh, but what to happens Chris. when Chosen wakes up 
I mean, obviously, I guess we can assume the cops or somebody's going to step in and drag this guy away, but what happens when this guy who wants to fight to the death, you hurt my honor, wakes up? He's not going to not want to go after Daniel? Yeah, but Daniel goes back to the States. That's something, like, in fact, the third film begins, well, actually begins with Kreese having, uh, handing in the keys to the dojo to his evil, right. long-haired, ponytailed, slick-haired buddy. And then the guy says, you know what? You go to the Bahamas for six weeks. It was because because the, the actor only wanted to be in like three days of filming. Right. And so as he's we see him get out of the cab and sort of go into the airport because his wealthy buddy has sent him away. And two seconds later, out comes Miyagi and Daniel. And Daniel says, oh, well, Kumiko is off to Paris. Sato has paid for her to go to dance school. ballet school. And the, the village is great. And now let's go home. Right. Like that's how that goes. You know, so we do learn sort of how that ties up. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's chosen what's he going to do well you think he's going to same thing have this honor to the death and okay. it's going to be a thing forever Great, so but someone hopefully puts him in jail or or more the than locals like, just or I guess curb. he goes to work for another uh, yakuza right but again i don't actually think he that, that sato was in fact yakuza right i think this was a mistake on the part of the writer the the, the, not the writer the director oh and, yeah and the and the acting choices. How they there. portray them. You know, maybe this is because I just saw a movie with Jared Leto called The Outsider about an American in the 50s in Japan who is brought into the uh, into the Yakuza. It's called The Outsider. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It's a very good film. People said, it's well, good. why would you whitewash it? Why would you show, you know, why does it always have to be a white guy? So it's because the whole point is we're not going to, you know, North Americans aren't going to understand the Yakuza. It is not at all the same right. as La Cosa Nostra, the, you know, the Italian mob or the Russian mob or whatever, it's a very different thing. Like the book I have in the Yakuza, it's one of few made because no one gets in there. There's no information. So by using Jared Leto, by using a white guy, a North American white guy, actually an army deserter, we get to learn, we have, you know, the movie has an excuse. Right. To learn about the Yakuza. And I, and, and, and so maybe this is just, I'm sensitive to this because I watched that last weekend. Right. But so much of it seems right out of that book. And I, and I wonder whether that was intentional or not. And maybe I will email the writer and say, hey, I got to ask. Yeah. Was Sato meant to be Yakuza or were, were you just going for Lord Toronaga from Shogun? It's a book by James Clavell. It was, by the way, it was made into a miniseries in the 80s. And yeah, like Lord Toronaga is sort of the big feudal chief who talks like this. You come to me, you bow before me. I am big boss. Like it's that, it's bad. Uh, it's, it's really bad. But yeah, it's, so, you know, on the one hand, we have these great character arcs. But then the, the arc of the karate is just all over the goddamn place. Right. Glass jaw versus sack of meat. They're just he's superhuman. And you'll do anything for love. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did like the music in this, though. The love songs yeah. in this are really good. Like uh, Night in Shining Armor, whatever it's called. Um, I don't know the name of the song. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Glory of Love. Both movies Glory. actually had good 80s soundtracks. Music. Yeah. yeah, I think Beach Boys in the first one when they're on the beach. I think it's I Beach think, Boys. Yeah, or Beach Boys-ish. Or yeah. ish, yeah, that, yeah, that sound. Yeah, yeah disc- discount Beach Boys, as they would yeah. say today. But yeah, there's some good songs there. Like yeah. Night in Shining Armor, I think, may have been written for the second film. Right. But it's a nice love theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the, the only musical theme we get in the first film is that awful montage of the, the competition. Oh, yeah. Fight to the end. And it's like... It's like this awful 80s power ballad. Ah, 
And it, it dates the film, but I don't think it could be the film without it because it's such an 80s thing. To right. Do. The, the power ballad. Well, when we do Rad, there's some pretty good power ballads in it. I think I'm going to be screaming at you for making me watch this goddamn No, I film. think you're going to like it. You know, this is going to be... You know, this is Karate Kid on BMXs. 60 minutes of a fair and screaming profanity into a microphone. And remember, it's filmed in Cochrane and Bowness. So like, oh, well, shit. Let's go. It's let's got, go. How could it be bad? It's only 10 o'clock at night. Let's go for it right now. So, I mean, we've sort of beaten the shit out of this film. Yeah. So, when was the last time you saw this? Like, like, is this the first time in many years? Probably, yeah. So, like, coming at it now, how do these movies as a whole... And I admit, we were kind of cheating because we didn't watch the third one, but how do these movies hold up for you? First and second one, uh, they were really good. I, I like the first movie. I thought the action's good. They kind of, they build the story a little bit mm -hmm. more. There's a little more action in number yeah. one. Number two, uh, I felt it to be a little bit slower because they focused a little more on the drama, a little more, more on the... More of a character study. Yeah, more of a char more character building, more love story less of the fighting and action. So yeah. I felt the second one to be a little bit drier, but as one film uh, or as one day of film watching, yeah. Uh, yeah, it really held up for me. I thought, I think, I think the first Karate Kid is, is really, uh, really timeless in, in the story, in the, yeah. in the bullied kid, in the, you know, somebody coming to the defense. And, and I think there is a, a lesson there that, you know, is, is, I said, it's more prevalent in today's day and age because there's more awareness for bullying. And, yeah. and I think that, uh, you know, I think the karate kids that, you know, if you are the kid on the receiving end of that, there's, there's that hope and yeah, it's kind of a neat, I, I, I like, I like number one. And then this is the first time I've seen the second one in a long time. And I thought it was really good too. I, I think, yeah. the, but the karate tournament's kind of a cool conclusion because i'm a competitive guy so Fair enough. but yeah held up for me I, both both movies were yeah. really good and it's funny as you mentioned on imdb the rating for the second one is much significant you said it's significant. It 7.3 and 4.7 really think, yeah. and it's funny because i would I, I enjoy both films now of course i like usually when we do these as i mentioned in our making of episode i often watch them a couple weeks before we sit down just because i have to make sure it's something we can talk about but i haven't i didn't do that this time because last year I decided one day I was going to watch all three of them. Though admittedly, again, I only got halfway through the third one because I was looking for a sharp object. <laughs> it had been the first time in many years I'd seen them. But I much prefer the second one. I still love the first one. I, I respect it more every time I see it. Maybe it's because the second one was so exotic. And because it is tied into my love of, of Japanese history. And culture, and, yeah. And culture and, and the fact that I spent three weeks there and all that sort of stuff. And I have, you know, four, three katanas on the wall and all that yeah. good stuff. And... I do enjoy the second one, but I think it's mostly because it is a character study. It is, it's more about, we learn much more about Mr. Miyagi and why he is the way he is. Right. And we get to see a grown-up-ish Daniel interact in a culture that is not his own without being the ugly American. I really enjoyed that. Right. Well, I think something for you in, in just working with you mm -hmm. and seeing this is, I think that you... And it could be your drama history coming out. It could be... Are you saying I'm dramatic? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you this you're, the way you watch movies, the way you, you're more artistic, you care more about the happenings behind. I'm a little more simple. I like the action. I like... Well, dude, that's not fair. I, I'm I, not love, that, I love action films. I love yeah, John not, Wick. I'm I think not, it's the best action film I've ever oh, seen in my life. Unbelievable. It's beautiful. The second one I found boring because it's more of the same. Yeah. But, but the first one is a magnificent piece yeah, of film. And quietly well done. But, yes. uh, no, just I, I think that... Part of the second one was far more artistic, and there was more dramatic yeah. value well, put writer, into right? the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a writer, so yeah. for me, not I, to discredit what you think of action. No, no. Movies, like but. I mean, even when I mentioned in the making of, I said like we're all approaching this differently. 
I let Heather handle the nerd side of things. I handle the film nerd side of things. I let you handle the everyman side of things. And that doesn't make it more simplistic. Like, yours is not the simplistic side. It's just different. Right. Di- different people watch movies for different reasons. Gene Siskel, who was Roger Ebert's partner in, you know, the, you know, Siskel and Ebert, the movies, he used to say, if you can't appreciate good trash, why do you go to the films? Right. Look, some of the films we watched. Mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is not a, okay, it is a brilliant film. It's a wonderful film. But it's based on, it's a, it's a tribute to trashy films. Right. Star Wars, sorry, Episode Four: A New Hope. I'm just going to call it Star Wars because I'm an old bastard. I saw, I'm sorry, it's not a well-written film. It's not. The dialogue is embarrassing. Harrison Ford once told him, you know, George, you can write this shit, but you can't expect us to say it. But there's nothing wrong with appreciating a movie, a good movie or a bad movie, just because it's good. I, I, I dated someone who I, I convinced her to watch Amadeus, which I, I think I convinced you guys to watch yeah. too. And for me, I love the character and all that. But as a kid, I loved it for the same reason that she loves it. She's a musician. She loves right. the music. Yeah, and I, I think it's, in, like with you know, movies, I think it's important that we, you know, everyone watches movies for a different reason yeah. or whatever. For me, I'm a surface movie guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Whereas you're, you dig really deep yes, into movies. And, to me, you know, movies I, are a study. I've had a lot of friends that know, you know, know the directors and know that's very Scorsese or that's very this. And, yeah. and, and me, what it, what I'm it means just like, to be very Scorsese. It yeah. was good or it wasn't. I mean, obviously, I watch uh, um, Quentin Tarantino and... You can pick a Tarantino movie out of, I don't out like of his movies at all, pretty actually. easily, right? But you can uh, pick yeah, out a Tarantino yeah, movie. Absolutely. There's certain things that he does, and I'm not night stupid enough. I'm not surface enough. No, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a Quentin Tarantino. I'm not dumb. Yeah, it's, but I don't. You're you're into this, like you said. It's more of a study for me. It's two hours of my life. That's, that's fine. That's totally uh, fine. some form of entertainment. I go to a hockey game. I get the same out of it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not a guy. Maybe that's why I don't like sports. Yeah. Well, maybe not because my brother is all about stats and all this stuff. And me, I'm just like, I, hate math. I, I so. go, I watch the game, and it was either entertaining. Where, or I don't know who's on uh, the team. One of my favorite sports movies. I, there's a few sports movies I really like. Rad. Okay, this movie, that podcast ends in a bloodbath. I, that, that's evidence of my trial, I'm sure. You're going to have to tie your hands together. Um, you know, tie me down. Get me out of this way. Yeah, like I said, that would be 60 minutes of Farron screaming profanity into his microphone. But, you know, like uh, The Replacements, the Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, yeah. I, it's a great film. I love it. That linebacker's so funny. The cop. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red ju- Jersey. Ju- Red Jersey. Yeah, yeah that was, that's John Favreau, who plays yeah. Happy Hogan, directed Iron Man 1 and 2. Um, very, very, he's a good actor and a mm-hmm. good director. I don't mind sports movies. I enjoy some of them. There's that one that uh, about, the, about uh, the, the Eagles quarterback. Yeah, yeah, Invincible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a and good one. And the wide receiver. Wide receiver, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. The, the but, walk, yeah, the walk-on. Let's review. Yeah. The walk-on Philadelphia. Walk, yeah, and, yeah, and there's some, you know, there's some like... Uh, Rudy. Rudy's a great film. I, I really enjoy that one. It was a great Kevin Costner movie called For the Love of the Game. For the Love of the Game, pit, baseball pitcher. Wonderful really movie. It's movie. the first time I ever truly understood baseball. Moneyball was a I don't know very different it. film, but yes, it's an excellent film. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of of course. You know, different films like this one as a kid would have been just popcorn flick. It was never intended right. to be anything else. But I enjoy the character arc of Daniel, which by the way I've never considered before today. Yeah, and Mr. Miyagi does not have a character arc. He does not. He's so good. But he's a pillar. He's this immense pillar of integrity and wisdom. And it's like Marit said, this is a guy I'd want to meet. And clearly, he's like the more interesting version of Yoda. Right. You know, we compared him to Yoda earlier. He is still Yoda with not much more hair on his head and a mustache and speaks in pidgin English. Just, oh, God, he is Yoda. Uh, you know, right. He's a Frank Oz somewhere behind him with a, you know. Mm, but, yeah. Fear is the key to the dark side. <laughs> Daniel-san, wax, <laughs> you know, wax on, wax off, Daniel. Yes. But uh, somewhere, yeah, good. Yeah, good somewhere there are six Star Wars fans unsubscribing from us as we speak. But, yeah. yeah, it's like 
I, I really enjoy it. So if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate them, and I'm going to rate them separately, I'm going gonna, gonna to give them uh, each four out of five. That's how I would rate them. For different reasons. As much as I like the second one better, there are th- things the first one does better. There's more character development. But the character development's more interesting in the second. Right. Like, he has a longer journey in the first one, but he has a better journey in the second one. There's things like that. So I think they sort of balance out, despite the fact that I like the second one better. That seems weird. But they're both four out of five for me. And I'm a four and a half on the first one and probably mm. a four on the second okay, one. Fair enough. The first one just had more of a capturing edge. And the other part is that we aren't talking about is we watch these back to back. Yes. So if we would have watched two first and one second, which would have been a weird way to do it, yeah. I might say two was more yeah. exciting. Actually, but... you know what I really liked with the first one more? The love story. I liked it more. It was cute. Yeah, and Allie's a phenomenal actor. Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth yeah, Shue. I mean, this is one she's... of her first. And, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's, it's an adorable, very believable romance. Yeah, between two kids who are sort of circling each other, not sure how to land a hit, to use a karate term, I guess. But thinking um, about Elizabeth Shue right now, she was really popular because she was in Back to the Future. She was in. She was Marty's girlfriend in Back to the Future. She was in Cocktail. Right. She was in uh, Babysitter uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Babysitting. She she did a whole Leaving bunch Las of Las Vegas movies. was yeah. where she sort of broke out as a dramatic. Yeah. I have to I have to watch that Leaving Las Vegas. I don't think I have. I I, I so. just I can't, I can't stand. Nicholas Cage, and we're going to leave that. So anyway, let's leave it there. Oh, is it a Nicholas Cage? Unfortunately, yeah. oh, let's leave it there. Uh, you know, please give us some feedback on whether you thought doing the two movie thing worked. And so there it is. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thank you.